I hate to cut you off, but I'm gonna lose control. If I can't get on the mic and spit me a verse on this here overload, I'm a toe. When it's time to go and get the bag, I'ma hit the road. Just run the town, I'm in a different mode. Kick this game overload. I hope my whole idea with uh with with with, with this uh game overload mm-hmm. is to just really uh talk about the game. Uh so so I mean it's it's a collaboration between diversified game and Sav Lab. You know what I'm saying? Is that the yellow? Yeah, I got the yellow. Oh, we both got the yellow, man. I see, man. I man, I didn't even get the memo, but you know how it is. Yeah, I man. And it's so many things that happen when they happen like that, right? It's just, it's like that's just the way it's supposed to be. I don't know, memo needed. I was, I was looking at the other one though that you dropped right before that, and y'all was dropping some science. You oh, talking about yeah, some we, stuff I ain't even talking about it, some stuff I ain't I ain't even up on yet. With the uh, with the nonprofit shit, cause cause my man, I guess already got his rolling or whatever. That's tight. That's tight. So you know, what I'm saying I was trying to soak it up a little bit. Yeah, Jacoby. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was dropping a lot of game, man. I was trying to soak it up a little bit. About man, that's what we're about to do right now. Um, it's just you know, it's like every, it, it's really just get a piece. Like if you think of how many interviews one could do and how much you could learn. Um, from that, um, it, it's just amazing. Amazing, as Jesse Lee Peterson says. I've been listening to a lot of Jesse Lee Peterson. My, I hope my whole idea with uh, with, 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 with this uh, game overload mm-hmm. is to just really uh, talk about the game. Uh, so, so I mean, it's, it's a collaboration between Diversified Game and Sav Lab. You know what I'm saying? And so it's it's a little different than the than the normal diversified game because that's more biz, uh, just business focused, business orientated. You dig what I'm saying? Whereas we we may be talking about business or whatever whatnot, but we may talk about whatever else too. You dig what I'm saying? So it's, it's, well, that sounds like we we started. Yeah, that sounds like we started. Yeah. So keep going. Keep going, keep flowing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, last time, you know what I'm saying? Well, uh, you know, we we talked pretty much about my life story and everything like that. I kind of wanted to 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 get a little bit about, you know, your life story, man. Uh, uh, you know, as far as how you got going with the, uh, with Diversified Game, uh, the, the whole concept of what you do, and, and just, you know, let them know what you do, who you are, and what you do. I don't think we gave introductions yet. Okay. Well, I mean, and you know what's so funny? I'm so used to asking the questions. Um, rarely do I give too much game on myself. Like, even when people say, well, what do you do? And they just know what I do. They don't know how I got there. So with Diversified Game, I had two young guns, um, Tyson and AL, they were business partners. Tyson, him and I, we've been cool since I lived in Massachusetts. I got married in Massachusetts uh, to my wife. And they said, I had a a podcast already. I got another podcast. Like, it's like a diary of mine that I just kind of vent. I call it work break conversations. You know, that's when I take my work break and I just got to vent. Because, you know, in business, you get a lot of low balls. You get a lot of, you know, people who 
don't respect what you do, and they want to undermine you. So they said, hey, why don't we make this podcast? It'll be around you, but we want to be a part of it, and we'll put, we'll do our parts together. You know, that lasted about six months. They got in a, a disagreement in business that had nothing to do with me, and, at the, you know, they just kind of flaked off, but it was just, it was meant for me to keep it going because we already had, you know, best-selling authors, multimillionaire uh, interviews, and we were just growing. So now, for me, it's almost like an introduction to business because when people hear, like when I'm getting their story, I just interviewed a, a movie director. And when I told him something, he's like, oh, well, I see you're kind of savvy in the, in the movie business. I said, no, I just have a movie on Amazon Prime and I've shot, you know, I've, I have my own documentaries and I have goals. So I kind of use it in a way to connect with people. And I wish everybody would, because I don't want you to waste my time asking me questions that a thousand other people are going to ask. Why don't we put it on record if we can, unless it's some, you know, some underworld type business, which I have nothing to do with. But if you do, <laughs> I, you know, anything outside of that, um, that's how I got started. But I'm just a consultant. How do you get there? You get there by sharing, by not being a square, by um, zipping your lip and listening throughout the years. This is 20 years worth of work to get here, to be able to be paid um, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to give your opinion on business. And just God, God blessed it for it to work. Your gift will make room for you. So that's the, you know, making a long story short and a short story long, as they say. Ah, for sure. Yeah, you got to zip your lip and listen. I can dig it. Hey, so uh, what, uh, what is a consultant? A consultant is just somebody who has an opinion who gets paid. We're all consultants in our fields. Um, my, my, the difference between what I do is I read a book a week and I go to conferences and I tell people, you know, a closed mouth won't get fed, but the scriptures really say, um, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, and that, you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So my tongue don't stop moving. And I let people know what they want to hear, not what I want to tell them always, what they need to hear. So a consultant is somebody who's an expert in that field. And you can be a consultant in many areas, or you can be a consultant in one area, and you can get, you know, you get paid more being a consultant than you do clocking into a nine to five, being a, um, they have all type of fancy names, you know, at corporate for consultants, but I don't have to come in the office. I can give my advice straight from the house and I prefer that, especially during these COVID times. That's dope. That's dope. So uh, j uh, just, you know, being that you work for yourself and you're doing your own thing, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, that's why I always say that's what it's all about, man. You know what I mean? Uh, so how did you make your connections with, uh, uh, with the many, 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 man, you got a plethora, a multitude of people you know what I'm saying, that you talked to and got interviews with and, and, and kick game with. Uh, how did you make your, uh, how did you make your network? Being nosy and being genuinely interested because everybody that I have come on, like 
I wanted to know more about consulting. So I read books on it. And then I kept reading books on Alan Weiss. And I would go to his YouTube, even though it doesn't have a big following, he opens up his interviews, writing on the walls and all his shows, him driving in the Rolls Royce with his dog, right? I'm, I'm sure his wife doesn't want to be on camera. That's why she's not in it. And I would see somebody that I'm like, yeah, he, everything he's saying, I'm, I, I'm feeling. So I just call him up. My wife and I will be watching a movie and she'll tell me, you should interview that person. And if she tells me that, I already know it's golden. I just boop, boop, boop. And, and it just it just works out. Now, it helps that I have a professional email. So what does that mean? That means that my email, kellen at colemanprfirm.com. It's not Gmail. So people know, okay, wait, this person's probably legit. Um, he's probably not a Nigerian or Russian scammer, uh, you know, trying to sell me something. And I know how, because I pitched, so I mean, for 20 years, I know what the reporters or what the influencers or the, the guests, what they want to see and what they don't want to see. And what they don't want to see is a long paragraph of how they're the best. It's real simple. I copy and paste um, my things. Sometimes I might just add their name depending, but sometimes I'm on the go and tell them book a time if they're ready to flow. So it's just, you know, it's, it, people say, oh, is it hit and miss? Nah, because when I want to talk to you, it's always a hit when I, when I want to talk to you. It, it, it's it, not that everybody says yes, but it's that I'm supposed to talk to you. And that's what you and I talk about a lot of times. Like, you know, God will make a way. And you don't, like us wearing, we're not planning to wear yellow, but I put on yellow right before coming onto this show because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be in this black diversified game shirt or no hot African wear. Let me put this cool yellow one real quick in this uh, South Florida you know, heat and be chill all day. Yeah, I man, shit. I had the same idea, man. I I was like, man, shit, I was in the black last time, even though you didn't get to see the design. Cause you know, we do the clothes too, so uh so uh so I wanted to uh but I wanted to wear something not black this time, you know what I'm saying? Something something with some color in it. Yeah, yeah, you know. So <laughs> Yeah. That, that's the way it's that's the way it's supposed to be. And just doing us, that's the beauty about, you know, entrepreneurship. And I know people look at me on these things and they say, man, who is this? He got love locks in his hair. He got the shades. He got the American flag bandana with the, you know, say diversified game headband. Like what type of business is he really doing? And I'm doing my business um, because I don't, want to fit in and I know you don't want to fit in like you know you don't want to fit in a box when I'm dead don't even put me in a box <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I feel it I feel it man uh, I love it you got to have your you got to have your own style do your own thing and not really you know uh base what you doing off of the next man like that you know what I'm saying you 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 could learn like I said in the, in the in the last interview you could learn off of everybody but Man. you don't want to copy them. You know what I'm saying? You want to take you want to take what you can soak up from them and incorporate it into your own thing. You know what I'm All saying? Day. So yeah, oh. I feel that. 
I feel that. I feel that. So uh, you mentioned you mentioned uh, wifey, which sounds like a rock in your life, man. Uh, how did that happen? That happened when I was in Grambling, and I'm I'm just a, a a few years older than her, but I feel like I was in Grambling many moons before her. Um, and you know, when I met her, she said some things, and another conversation I had hooked up my Cameroonian friends with this big house, six bedroom house, which in Grambling, Louisiana is hard to do. And it was just because, again, it was my landlord's house, you know, shout out to Mr. Blakely. I hope he's still alive. But he had a house and I necessarily didn't need a house that big. Um, but he told me about it. So when my African uh, friends said they had like five or six people coming and they needed a six bedroom. I, I, I was just visiting their house one day and I heard her talking and it, she just hit me. It just hit me like, yeah, that's the one. And she all, she remembers. She was like, hey, I'm going to marry you. I told her. I didn't tell her that right away, but I told her that like, you know, the uh, the first week or something like that. Like, I, you know, I could be with you because she's hard and she's not jealous and she's not controlling. And that even as a young man, you can still, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do to make where make it where you want to make it and take it. And if I whether I told her the first week I met her, I said, hey, I'm going to the cash money mansion. Um, and she was she's not a jealous woman at all, but she always thought I left my cell phone in my friend's car um, or is my car. I can't remember. They were just dropping me off. And I, I wasn't picking up her phone calls for the press junket weekend or how many days it was. And but she wasn't ever jealous. She was just like, you did that on purpose, huh? I said, no, nah, I, I didn't do that on purpose. I needed my phone in New Orleans, you know, but this is before smartphones and all that. You know what I mean? And, and you and I, we can remember remembering numbers because um, I'm, I'm sure you were at a teen club back in the day. Um, and if you weren't, you were at some club before the smartphones and you had to remember numbers if you didn't have a pen or a pad. But I, I met, you know, over 20 journalists that day. And that's kind of where I made my, my mark. But that's just, yeah, she, she, we've been down so long together. Um, that's, that's, that's the one for sure. Because can't nobody break us up. You know what women would try to do? They would try to knock on her door to say, hey, so-and-so's at your, your dude's house. And she, or they, you know, would want to call. And she would be like, and why are you telling me? To help me? Or to hurt me, you don't care about me. Click. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's loyalty. Cause you don't know what that person was doing at my house. And it's none of your business. And and you don't know what type of relationship this is, you know? Um, we have our our thing and you can't break that. And even family members will try on the slick and on the smooth. So I tell people, keep your business your business. And whatever they think about you, let them think it. I like that, man. Keep your business your business. Uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's a good, uh, I think that's some good game right there. Man, it's classic because you know, you know, people will try to break your relationship up. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is real relationships. You know what I'm saying? And, and black relationship and black love and marriage. And, and, and I just love that, man, because, you know what I'm saying, it's uncommon 
uh, nowadays the, uh, to hear that, you know, people are married. You dig what I'm saying? Uh, you know why that you know. is? What's that? You know why that is? Because people are not, they're not loyal. They're not loyal to their soil. They're not loyal to their family name. They're not even loyal to their mother, you know, who gave them life. People aren't, it's that loyalty because everybody talks about love, but what about that agape love? You know, only God can give you that, right? Right. I told when when we talked about marriage, even in the Grambling days, and we didn't get married till many years after. I said, even if we got a house and a big old house, you can be on the east wing, I'll be on the west. We're gonna be married. Whatever you know, what happened this, that, the third. I said that's the type of connection we're gonna have. Her grandfather had over a hundred wives, right in um, in Africa, and international women they live on a code that the family is the family like a hispanic woman she's you know she's gonna be tied in an african woman tied in latin women tied in most asian women unless you're hitting these women are constantly sleeping on them and that's not you know sleeping around and that's not your agreement because there is a risk in somebody just sleeping with everything right like that's that's a risk that you're bringing home and we see that now with covid like a lot of guys, they like the strip club. I don't like the strip club, but if you go to the strip club, you could possibly kill your whole household. So you got to be responsible and upfront and honest with what type of relationship you have and what those boundaries are. So, um, you know, you make those boundaries and keep them private because folks will try to test them boundaries, <laughs> you know, outside of your relationship. So that's, that's, that's game. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, how did you come up with the name Diversify Gang? Well, you know what? I, I didn't. I, I can't take the, the full credit for that because Tyson came up with that name and he came up with that name because he said, Kellen, you're always saying given the game, which is just, you know, Bay Area, West Coast slang. And, and I'm like, I mean, we got to give the game because to the young people we do. So he was like, on the, we were doing some work on diversity and inclusion, and he had flown out from Massachusetts, and he had seen the stuff that I was getting into. And again, I met him in Massachusetts. I, was, I lived in Texas before I lived in Seattle, and we lived in Massachusetts prior to that, before, and before that in Cali and Louisiana, and in, um, I did a short little stint in, um, on the Hill in Congress uh, for a Congress member. And I was, you know, in the D.C., Virginia area for a little bit. And he came up with that name, and I just rolled with it because I don't always have the best ideas. It's just like this conversation right now. I can't tell you to, like, ask me questions. That's not in my thing because I'm supposed to be behind the scenes, you know, the young Al Heyman. But because <laughs> but because of our connection, if you tell me this would be a good idea, and there's nothing that it costs me to be like, why not talk to my friend, somebody who I met him doing business and we can talk about anything for days. Why not? I mean, that don't, you know, that, that's easy to do. But I wouldn't be the one like, I'm going to just talk about myself all day. It's just not in my, my, my nature because some of the stories people wouldn't even believe. You know what I mean? 
and, and that's why I take so many photos, I think, to this day, even though I don't publish them all out, because people will be like, that never happened. I'm like, oh, well, I don't, you don't need to believe me. I'm just telling you a story. So call me the world's greatest storyteller if you don't believe it. Hey, now, hold on, man. Man, you just name dropped like a whole bunch of cities just on the slick right fast. Now, now, I know you from Oakland. Tell me yeah. about Oakland and tell me what it's like uh, seeing, seeing different, different parts of the country and the world. So be, I'm born in Oakland. Um, and then moved about 25 miles to a city called Concord. And that's where I would say the majority of my schooling outside of Oakland. You know, when your parents had to drop you off at an auntie's house or, you know, and, and it was a, a school might have been down the street from their job, but not in your city. So after going to Oakland schools, like elementary, going to um, a suburban schools, but every weekend I had to do two things. I had to get my hair cut every other week, and there was no place in Concord. Now Concord is totally different. There was no place to get a, a haircut. So, so I had to be in Oakland, and I had to be in church. And we grew up in the church. You know, I, I'm, I think you might be able to relate. Church was not a Sunday thing. It was old school. It was at least two to three times a week. Because you had the choir practice for the children, then another day for the aunties. Being in West Oakland, I would go and be like, hey, I'm going to go to choir practice even with my mother so I can see all my hundred cousins who are going to be at church, all my, you know, eight aunties and six uncles that they may or may not be there, right? But when they're doing their choir rehearsal, we were off the porch young. We in West Oakland in the Acorns going to the corner store and going everywhere else while they doing, you know, their, their, their choir rehearsal, getting into all kinds of good childhood stuff in the 80s and 90s. It was a beautiful time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's Cali, man. That's, that's Oakland. That's home. Yeah, man. What, uh, but what about what about the travels, though, man? What about what about seeing the different cities, man? What's it like living in different cities, visiting different cities, and just seeing how it is uh, in different places? So the Bay Area is, um, especially with how I would go back and forth, right? You got to be good with the hood. You got to be good in the suburbs, meaning you have to be able to make sense to both. Because if you're going into corporate or if you're going in an area where they don't understand the shizzle or what, you know, what I got five on, it really means you have to be able to communicate. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, people like say code switch. Is, I mean, it's bilingual. Because Ebonics is a language and in Ebonics, you have different, you know, um, dialects. But I, my first girlfriend, I say real girlfriend, right? Well, I won't say first, but my second was from Spain. And when I was in, I was about 15, her dad was the vice president of DKNY's uh, shoe department. And she was straight from Spain. She had been here less than five years. And so her English was, it was good, but I, I learned, you know, more Spanish than I did in school with her and her family. And at 15, my mother let me go with her. I had been dating her for like a year at 14, 
and she let me fly out to New York every time her dad wanted them to. And her dad was from Detroit. He was Spaniard, but he was from Detroit. And so at 15, I'm going to get clue tapes, bring them back to Cali, and I'd have music before anybody else. And I'm telling you this story just so you can see, like, why it's easy for me to relocate because I'm around Spaniards, and I'm in a limo in New York in Manhattan. Bought my first Rolex at, like, 16, um, you know, right off the street. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it don't, yeah, yeah. It don't stop. It don't. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It goes, it's that smooth rotation. It's smooth yeah. all the way, you know, you all know. the way. Yeah. You know, so so that that allowed me and I got in trouble a little bit with um, Pops because he was like, where you get this off the street? You know how they got it? I said, no, nah, I didn't ask it. All that. They came up to me and, you know, I mean, it was a deal and it was in a box. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm 15, 16. What do I know? So um, so. I'm seeing all these different things in cultures from California to New York. My mother put me on a plane at like 12 to go visit a family member in Denver by myself. And it was like, I'm just used to just bouncing around and I love planes. I get my best sleep on them. So from California, my mother told me I could not stay in, in um, I could not stay in California um, because she already knew what it would be. She's like, I know how you'll end up. So you need to get out like I did and go see the world. And so I went to Kansas. She sent me there. I did about a, a year there. Got into a little bit of a, 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 some issues with some football teammates that I went to go play football there, but I never played um, because my grades, I graduated with a 1.9 but I had a fast 40 and I had a, a, a praying mother who got me into a, a small little private school. Thank God. Um, and I got kicked out of there, you know, and then went to Grambling after going back to Cali to work at Chevron and track and trail shoes. You know, can you imagine you got all the jewelry, all the clothes and you get kicked out of school and <laughs> you got to go back home at like 18, 19, because my birthday is late. So, you know, I started probably college about 17 and a half, 18 at, at worst. Um, and and it, was, it was a beautiful thing to go to Grambling and to see everything black. I'd never seen anything black and peaceful before that, um, besides at Jack and Jill or, you know, those type of bougie crowds, but not like everybody is getting along and, you know, it's just peaceful. And Grambling, I'll tell anybody, go to an HBCU, especially if you had that type of life. That's what my mother wanted me to see, how, how black folks, you know, she used to work for the police department at one time in her life. She was like, I don't want you to think that life is just, you know, rap music in movies. Life is big. Go see some of these countries. So that's where I really get that from, because she saw the world. And every place I would go, She'd be like, yeah, did you go see this and this? And I'm like, oh, man, let me go. <laughs> let, you know, let, let, me, let me go. So I'm, 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 I said, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm show you. Um, and so that's where I got that from. And from, Louisiana, from Kansas back home to go to Louisiana, um, after Louisiana to go back home. But when you're in the South, you know, you learn that Texas is 
a huge state. And I had um I had a little like throwback spot, not mine, but you know, you just kind of kick it um in, in North Dallas. And I mean, when I went back home in Cali, it was my uncle Tommy. He said, Man, you're supposed to be traveling the world. You over here arguing with your brothers. They ain't even used to seeing you like this. They used to seeing you all around, going to Europe or this and that. And I went to Europe my first time, Charlie. I, I spent about, I paid about $1,200, $1,300 to go see five countries with a tour company called EFCollegeBreak.com. It's still in existence um, to this day. And I bought it six months in advance, and that's why it was so cheap. Plus, I was trying to get referrals, but nobody wanted to go at that time. So from Grambling, I got to go see Europe. And once I got to see Europe, three months later, well, I'm going to show you, and I hope I'm not confusing you. I go in, right before grad school to go to Europe, right? I, right. I, I, I go back to um, Grambling. I go back home to um, work for a summer, just like two, three months at most at the hospital. My mom took that job up for me. She was a social worker uh, by then. I meet a woman. Um, she's from Zimbabwe. I read her chart. I'm not going to say what it said because I'm still friends with these people. I read her chart. We make a joke out of her chart working at the hospital, right, in diagnostic imaging, radiology department, for y'all don't, don't know. I'm just, you know, a clerk. She tells me, you should meet my sister. She's in the U.K., I said, and I had just come from the UK. I did five, you know, five different countries. I said, yeah, I started talking about the UK. She's like, yeah, she'll love you. She put me in contact with her. Three months later, no longer, after school, I went back to school. I went back to the UK and kicked it with her. And, and, we, and I did that like at least twice that I can remember. Um, so I would just go to Europe and, you know, be having a good time and learning and experiencing things and meeting other people. And she'd introduce me to her friends and we just had a good old time. So, um, you know, go to Mary J. Blige concerts and stuff like that at the uh, Wimbledon, where they do the Wimbledon tennis thing. And you're like, yeah, this is life. So one thing begets another thing. And, you know, you guys forgive me if I, I stumble at all because I just get excited when I talk about this. And I found out this year that I had um, dyslexia and it, it makes a lot of sense on how my brain works because it, it, it just, it, it's constantly just kind of thinking about, you know, how do you piece all these things together? Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> you got this. Okay. Hey, I don't know. They, they, uh, cause, cause I don't know. I think they just be diagnosing some shit. You know what I'm saying? Just like the whole, like the, the ADHD thing, you know what I'm saying, and all of that, you know what I'm saying? They just be diagnosing some shit, man. It is what it is, and people been people, man, uh, uh, man, since since forever. You know what I'm saying? So, so I, man, I don't know, man, because it ain't nothing, man, it ain't nothing slow about you. And they make dyslexia sound like it's an impediment or some shit like that. So no, uh, it's not. It's it's not a it's not. It's it's not even a to me it's not even a disability. It's a okay. superpower. And and my okay. wife, you know, she's a physician and she had told me, but I had told her for years, I think I might have that or something. 
And she was like, well, maybe you do, because sometimes you'll say one word like this and you'll mean that. But she doesn't even believe the diagnosis. She thinks I went in there acting. And I have another friend who's a, uh, a PhD as well, um, a, psychologist, a psychologist. And she thinks the same thing, right, of my wife. And the thing about it is my brain, I know, and they tried to give me um, ADHD as a kid. And this woman said, I think your ADHD might be in remission. And I can't go too much into how the diagnosis, just because there's a reason why it was kind of written up the way it is. And they do just want to write stuff up. I've worked with kids who have real ADHD and, you know, social problems. That I don't have. What I do have is I need to have multiple things going on. And I suffered in school. That 1.9 was because I was totally bored and I knew that my history wasn't what they were telling me. Mm -hmm. And I, and I knew it. Mm -hmm. And and when I would tell the teachers and argue with them and had facts, see, it's one thing you can say what you want to say. And that's what they do now. People say what they want to say. But if you want to talk about the Bible, Quran or whatever, if I know what I can prove, I'm going to tell you, but that's not in that scripture or that's not in the movie you just said. You're making that up. And that can be your opinion. And in psychology, you're entitled to your opinion. So I'm not arguing with you about opinion. But if you want to talk about facts, like when they say, oh, you know, and and Trump is this, I can only tell you what can be proven based on the things he said or done. And everything else is just opinion. But you can still love him. I ain't got no problem with it. I don't, I don't really, you know, you're supposed to love everybody, uh, but hate their ways. Um, I don't trust any politician, you right. know, I don't care who they, they are. If it was me, I would even be like, I got to look at myself from the outside in and say, am I doing the right thing? Cause power corrupts. So yeah, it's, it's not a, I, I know I'm definitely not slow because I, I put things together that somebody who was mentally slow. Well, I'm not even not saying it's slow like that. I'm just saying like, like, is it like some kind of like a, I don't know. This is, you know, what I'm saying like, like it's not. I don't know. It's game, Charlie. Because if you, if yeah. I would have got this diagnosis as a kid, right. they would have gave yeah. me extra yeah. time. Yeah. On part a of what I'm seeing the the whole diagnosis and misdiagnosis because because I mean there's so much misdiagnosis going on. You know what I'm saying? But the whole diagnosis thing, they're pretty much trying to attach you to this label. Yeah. Well, I'm, but let me, let me give you some game why, why this could be beneficial, though. And, and this isn't the reason I didn't know this. I did not know this. But let me give you this game. Um, the, um, the, after she was done, she said, you know, even if I think giving you more time on a test, like if I want to go to law school, right? Because sometimes I'll be having goals I just want to do um, from childhood. She's like, if you want to go to law school, I don't even think taking more time on a test would help you. She's like, but your verbal fluency is so high. It's, it, it's had you, you know, master some things that you're really interested in. And this is key. You'll get this. She's like, what you're interested in, you can do like that where it might take somebody more time to figure that out. You just know it because you know it. And, and it, and, and it ranges from technology to all type of stuff based on experience. Right. 
And she's like, and that's why you break things to build them back up because you want to do it your way to make it faster. And that's the problem I have with corporate America. Um, she said, but you, if you want to go back to school and there's like an LSAT test, it's possible you wouldn't even have to take the LSAT because of this diagnosis I'm giving you. You know how much further in a whole nother field some people, including myself, would be if we didn't have to take these tests like a GRE? I took that. I took it in an hour. I'm like, this ain't for me. I'm not interested, right? My brain is just not going there. And LSAT, I got lawyers who know me, know me, and they say, Kelly, you'd make a great lawyer or whatnot. Um, and I, it's still something I'm considering. But I don't want to be in the courtroom. I want to do a different type of law. But it stops. Those tests stop us, especially when you come from being a minority where those tests they have proven are culturally biased the way they write them up. Our brains don't understand some of the things they're putting in place because those aren't culturally competent, um, you know, questions. If you broke it down in another way, oh, I might be like, oh, yeah, I got you. But I don't understand and don't even want to understand why if train A leaves at this time, the train B leaves at that time, and with these intersections, like, come on, man, we got the internet. Come on, man, I'm, I, that's not realistic to me. I'm not going to master that because I don't know when that's going to benefit me. And that's my fault, but that's just the way my brain works. Right, 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 right. Man, you know, and, uh, you know, that's, that, that, that's all I'm saying with the, the diagnosis and stuff like that and the... Uh, because these these names and terms, right? And this is stuff that this is our man-made stuff that we came up with, you know what I'm saying? But we're labeling and putting people in boxes. And the, I mean, because the only definition that I knew about dyslexia was like you see stuff backwards. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You see, mm. you see the words written on the page and you read it backwards. You know what I'm so, saying? Yeah, it's different, yeah. and there's. It's different. I think a lot of people have been diagnosed and, well, misdiagnosed. A lot of people have been misdiagnosed and they ran with whatever they was told. I know that for a fact because I've worked with kids from in Ruston, the Methodist Children's Home, when I was in my undergrad, um, the Phoenix Academy. Uh, Sisters of Providence in Massachusetts. Phoenix Academy was in uh, Phoenix Academy was in Massachusetts, and, and as well. And I've seen kids that, to me, had nothing wrong with them when they say ADHD, but they just couldn't. They were like me; they couldn't connect. And once we connected them to what they were interested in, that's what I was talking. I'm talking about all of them labels that they try to put on you. You know what I'm saying, man? People, man, get out of here. You know what I'm saying? But I'm glad, man, that you didn't get caught up in the trap. You feel me? Hold on. Give me give me 30 seconds, man. I got one more question for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <It is. laughs> what is the definition of game? It's what game you're in because Monopoly is different than sorry. And so and when we say give the game on diversified game, I'm people think, oh, okay, you're talking about business. I am. But I'm talking about the blueprint because I saw a lot of people come and try to get into fields that they didn't know how that game was played. Let's say for rap, for existence, 
They're like, we want to get in a magazine. Okay, how much money you got? Because it's pay to play for magazines. It costs too much to produce these, even on the independent level. You know? Okay, but they didn't know that. And if they didn't have money, they couldn't get in. My first deal that I really did in music was bringing Marty Bacardi, um, a, a, a white cat from the 925 Pittsburgh Antioch area to uh, City Nights in San Francisco and walked his CD in with him and said, hey, he wants to perform. And the next week he was performing. Um, and, and from that, that was like my first real, like outside of writing music deal and making connections, all going in cold, not knowing if they're going to be open or not. But we went 40 miles, you know, down the road to go see, cross the bridge, paid the toll. So he didn't know the game, how to get place people to say yes. I didn't know it either, but I had the mouthpiece to say, man, if, if you can go out there and go get you a date, oh, somebody going to say yes to me. Yes, they are. So the game is just the blueprint. The game is what the other person doesn't know. Because somebody could – my first client was Ken Ivey, right? Ken Ivey got the game all through the streets. You know, he knows every blade from here to Maine to Spain. But he didn't know the game of how to take a product and do this, this, and this. And we just all worked it together. Because Ken, I mean, he's learned so much throughout the years. But he just knew he didn't want to be known as Pimpin' Ken anymore. Right. He wanted he wanted to be known as something more. He wanted to be legendary. And he's done some 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 great stuff. But the game is it's the blueprint and giving. I can't give the game in medicine, even though I have a healthcare company because we hire professionals for that. I can give the game and how we created that company, even though I don't know anything about it. I can give you the game in PR and consulting because I know something about that. And other businesses, because I know something about them. Well, man, you and, and, and you mentioned your first uh, your first episode in the music industry. You didn't even talk about your connection to the industry, to the music mm. industry. Okay, you I'm gonna tell you. Around the end of that, but this <laughs> is the first episode of Game Overload. You know what I'm saying? Gonna get in it. We gonna get into that in the next one. You know what I'm saying? And, and this time I am your host. You know what I'm saying? Smooth J Charles. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so hey, look, I don't beg or borrow. You dig? You know? <laughs> and uh, we just gonna keep giving it to him, man. The game overload, man. So you know, I'm here with Kellen Cash, man. Uh, uh, yeah. Man, he just gave you gave you some game right now. Man, of your story, man, you know what I'm saying? We're going to give it to him. Raw and uncut the way we do it. Uh, I hate to cut you off, but I'm going to lose control. If I can't get on the mic and spit me a verse on this here overload. When it's time to go and get the bag, I'm going to hit the road. Just run the 